Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome, everyone, to Rock M Radio. A uh, brand new episode here of Dive Cuts. It's season seven. Um, I don't know what episode we're on at this point, but it's just me, your host, Sam Snelling. Um, and today, I have a, another interview. So we're going to talk to Rocco Miller. Uh, Rocco is a bracketologist. He's on the bracketeer.org. Uh, he's on Twitter at Rocco Miller 8 so you can uh, do all the follow things that you have to do there. Uh, Rocco and I had a really productive and fun conversation about scheduling, uh, how it impacts the NCAA tournament bids, who's good at it, who's bad at it, uh, and how he feels about Dennis Gates and the Missouri Tigers and their approach to scheduling. So without any further ado, uh, let's get to Rocco Miller. And I'd like to welcome into the podcast uh, for the very first time. Uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, uh, or X, as I think we call it now, uh, Rocco Miller from Bracketeer.org. Uh, Rocco, thanks for joining me, man. I'm really excited about this. We're going to talk non-conference schedules. Uh, what's going on with you these days? Sam, great to be on with you guys. I love the work that you do, and I've 
followed you all from afar for uh, several seasons now. So it's good to be talking basketball here in the middle of uh, the start of football season. Uh, I, I like where your head's at. Um, what's going on for me these days is, you know, I spend pretty much the entire offseason working with uh, programs, leagues, organizers, et cetera, on um, what makes sense schedule-wise for those specific programs, specific leagues, uh, specific events, um, and just basically do everything I possibly can to add value to the process. Um, any uh, kind of opinion, uh, sounding board, sometimes I'm, I'm just a sounding board for uh, a team to make a decision with. Other times I'm a little bit more involved where, you know, I, I kind of like the beginning of the process, more like right after the Final Four, April, May timeframe, uh, where, you know, a lot of these schedules are still getting molded like clay. The portal's still being um, figured out. You know, this year we had from March 11th to May 11th. Um, and it was it's really interesting to see uh, behind the scenes all the poker that gets played with scheduling. Um, games we think are going to happen that don't ever happen. Uh, games that come out of nowhere that do happen. Um, you, you get a little bit, almost like recruiting, you get a little bit of everything with uh, scheduling and kind of the drama with it. And um, there's different reasons for different programs. So there's never a one-size-fits-all for the reason a game does happen or doesn't happen. Um, so that leads us now to September, where we still are seeing the last 100 to 150 schedules get, being announced. There was somewhere around 10 uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so there was like 10 or so today. Um, so it's just constantly evolving information. And then once we have all 362 schedules set, um, you know, it, kind of getting there now, uh, that's when I'm really going to start diving into my preview mode. Um, I've started to dabble with that early on here uh, as we got out of Labor Day weekend. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm, I'm sh starting to make that big shift from schedule mode to, to preview mode. Yeah, I, I feel you on the uh, on on the preview mode. We, uh, you know, at Rockham Nation, have been kind of doing these uh, SEC team previews now for the last several years, and and it's always really difficult to, especially with an unbalanced schedule in conference, to sort of determine who you think is going to place where in the conference. Uh, and so we actually put together like a game by game pick'em. Uh, sheet where we actually have you know several people that that log in and, and and log picks for every single game the SEC season to try and get some kind of like pecking order, uh, and then I it, only at that point when I've figured out what I think my pecking order is going to be based upon league record, then I can go back and and actually start working on on writing those things, which uh, which is always a daunting task. So I I think you and I are kind of on a similar page where it's just like, ooh, like I'm just about to get going. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing that you guys do that because I think almost, you know, 90% of the forecast you'll, you'll read out there, even if they're trying to project a, an exact record for a team, I don't think they're always looking at it um, or, or, or rarely even looking at it as a game-by-game -game basis. Um, you know, one of the things that drives me nuts and it's not Joe's fault over at ESPN, Joe Lenardi's fault, but it's because uh, uh, he's under tight time constraints. And I'm, I'm guessing he might not get the memo till a day before when something needs to be printed. Mm -hmm. um, but and that's just not enough time. I, I have all day to do what I do. So I can I can take three or four days if I have to, to get all the necessary ingredients in there. Um, but one thing I take a lot of pride in, especially in my preseason preview portion, is looking very closely at the schedules to try to get some sort of simulation, not just about 
how talented these rosters are, how deep these rosters are, how how great the coaches are or not so great. But also that that third big pillar is um, who you play and where you play them. Uh, and, you know, how, that, how does that set up for your next game? Do you, do you have like three or four in a row that are just going to be an insanely brutal s- stretch? Or is it actually like mapped out really beautifully where you can go on a long run of, of victories, those types of things? Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I think uh, this actually may come up, you know, later as we talk also is like one of the things that I've, uh, you know, I've always sort of appreciated knowing a team schedule and knowing kind of like when you can sort of pick their ebbs and flows. Like it's it's easy, you know, just looking at the SEC, for example, like like a couple of years ago, uh, it was easy to look at Arkansas's uh, non-conference schedule and uh, or, or sorry, Arkansas's conference schedule and and see very early on that they were going to hit some bumps uh, and then see things open up uh, later on and sort of, you know, watch them kind of go on a run. And sure enough, that's what they did. And everyone's just like, oh, now that, you know, they're this great team now and they figured it out. And it's like, well. They also had a really, really tough opening <laughs> to the conference slate uh, and asking a team to like go on the road to Kentucky and go on the road. And, you know, I can't remember who it was, but like, you know, Florida or Tennessee and, and win games on the road in, in league play, uh, you know, consistently is really, really hard, even if you are a top team. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, they they were dealt some brutal stretches, I think, probably based on their 22 performance. Obviously, 2022, they were. Um, an elite eight team and they were they were the year before that as well so um, they they played themselves into this upper echelon forecasting category which is kind of how scheduling in a lot of leagues especially the sec for sure is uh, based uh, when you have the unbalanced schedule so there's going to be teams like arkansas kentucky um, uh, teams at the top that are going to be missouri uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Missouri. I, you know, they're probably somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, I don't think they'll have the easiest schedule, but they probably won't have the hardest either. Uh, finished what tied for fourth last year, so mm-hmm. that that'll be that'll be fascinating um, to see how they do that. There's a, there's also like a lot of politicking going on um, within that as well. Uh, whether it's you know um, with the SEC with the linear linear t- television and basically all Power Five. Um, they're fighting for those TV spots. So that, that could be like if we think Ken, Kentucky, Alabama or Kentucky, Tennessee or Kentucky, Arkansas are going to be the highest rated games. Um, they might all just be stuck playing together uh, twice a year just because of that uh, alone. And then you mix in like your Auburn's and your Florida's and then, you know, maybe Missouri's in that next group. Um, Texas A&M is supposed to be really good. So uh, the league's the league's pretty deep this year, at least on paper. Um, so I think I think it could go a lot of different ways. I, I know the coaches <laughs> will, will think the opposite of the networks. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, in most cases. Um, and so they'll be fighting to to maybe be, be able to play like a South Carolina twice instead or a, or perhaps uh, somebody near the bottom. <laughs> right. Uh, well, so one of the things that I did want to sort of, you know, pick your brain on. And, and so let's kind of approach this in a way of of a school like Missouri. Uh, so, you know, a, a team and not necessarily Missouri in 2022 or in, you know, 2023, but, you know, in general. Sure. So a prospective NCAA tournament team, a team with with, you know, well, let's get to the NCAA tournament as our 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 goal. Right. Um, what do they need to do uh, to in order to make sure that they have a good non-conference schedule that's going to put them in position kind of get, getting into league play where they're going to be 
kind of in that range of, of a team that's talked about for the tournament. Yeah, so I think in the it, that that general question, so Missouri's in the SEC. I think the league you're in matters a lot. So it's it's hard to just do like a blind answer to that because um, there is a hierarchy within s- scheduling. So if we if we believe like the Big 12 is the best league, and then we think the Big 10 is maybe the second best, and then SEC is right there with the Big East for for top three. Um, that's kind of like a good rule of thumb to start basing it off of. And then the eight, uh, the, the, the PAC 12 and the ACC, probably five and six. Uh, again, this is all just forecasting. Um, you, you want to make sure you have adequate opportunities away from home uh, to impress the committee. So uh, again, Missouri this year, they decided to host uh, a multi-team event with, with quad four teams. So um, uh, it, some of their schedule represents uh, an opportunity to just pick up some wins. Like last year, they had eight quad four games. Uh, this year, they'll have a, a good handful as well. Uh, but the, the thing I, th- I think that Missouri's schedule specifically this year um, benefits them is they do have three true road games on the non-conference schedule to go along with um, what will become nine road games in the SEC. So they'll have a good amount of data on true road performances. And then you will also have... Um, but, you know, a couple neutral court opportunities, of course, every year when they play Illinois, that's a huge opportunity against uh, what's more than likely a tournament caliber team. Um, and so those are some some great opportunities for them as well. Uh, so so I think when you're in the SEC, you really in Missouri proved it last year specifically, right, where you don't have to have an Alabama level schedule. Alabama, it, to me, is probably one of the schools I respect the most in scheduling because uh, they basically just don't play any quad fours. They, they make every game count. They, they figure out a way to get better and they play some of the best mid-major programs you can find. Um, and it seems to work out for them pretty well, but they also believe in their talent and it's, it, and, and, you know, Dennis Gates was new um, just a year ago. So mm-hmm. um, it, it, what, what Dennis Gates is doing right now specifically is very common for a new head coach. You know, Missouri was fortunate uh, to build a great team last year, to be a tournament caliber team, have plenty of wins to back that up. Uh, the resume was really strong. It was actually the performance metrics, which you guys talked about a lot, that held them back. But but they were clearly in, and I don't think there was much worry about that uh, once we got to a mature part of the season. Um, whereas like at Minnesota, you have Ben Johnson, who's stuck at the, at the bottom of the Big Ten, um, really has no choice right now, but you just schedule like, nine or 10 home wins, which, which is how the Gophers are going about it. And, um, you know, they actually have Missouri coming in, uh, which is interesting, but um, yeah. So like in his situation, you you know, he's, he's looking at it. That's where it gets really interesting in scheduling because I I would say the majority of programs, especially in Missouri's range, uh, their whole goal is just to make the tournament. And that's what it always should be. Uh, But in certain cases where, the coach is worried about getting run off in, in a one-year cycle or a two-year cycle, which is becoming increasingly common. Scheduling can be more about job security than it is about uh, a resume. Um, because at least then, if he has 10 home wins and they win five or six games in the league, he'd say, listen, we won 15 or 16 games in my first year. Last year, you guys only won like 11 when they fired the guy before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see a lot of that too. So I think if you're really trying to digest this, um, you got to think about both elements. Yes, most teams, especially Power Six, are are doing everything they can to get in. But like you know, if you're picked at the bottom of your league, like maybe a DePaul in the Big East or a Minnesota, like I mentioned, or um, you know, Oregon State out in the Pac-12, 
you're going to go out and, and get, find a bunch of wins to impress your, uh, y- your bosses to at least have something to point at to um, be back in a year. Well, so you, you brought up uh, Alabama, and, and I think Alabama is, is a good example of a team that, that always kind of schedules tough, or at least, you know, less, you know, several years, like unafraid to schedule really tough games. Uh, you know, and kind of getting back, I'm, I think if you follow me enough and, and uh, a, a lot of the you know folks here that read Rock Nation know very well, I am by no means an Eric Musselman fan. Uh, personality wise like he's not my cup of tea but uh but as far as like how he runs a program and and how he schedules like i really like how he schedules because all of those home wins that he seems to stack up are all against like these kind of like pretty solid mid-major teams who are going to come in and, and teams that are uh, you know potential league winners so you know you're you're basically stacking up teams who could you could you know, maybe see in the NCAA tournament at the end of the year. And I think that approach, uh, you know, where you're scheduling more in the kind of like quad three for those home gimme games versus, you know, the quad four uh, is, is kind of like the difference that I've seen. And, and again, like Dennis Gates is very early in his tenure and, you know, we can talk about, you know, sort of like what maybe Dennis Gates wants to do down the road, uh, you know, but I think when you're looking at like, there's there's sort of like this middle ground between you know scheduling everybody tough and then scheduling making sure that you have your wins but making sure that like you're getting a challenge and not winning every game by 45 points so uh, i mean are there like a group of teams that you're sort of like thinking that schedule the best and what are the uh what are the elements that make them so good at, at scheduling yeah i mean i, I some of it is uh personal um, fulfillment when I see a Alabama schedule, for example, like they've had uh, two of the last three years, I believe, without a quad four opponent for two of those three seasons. And I think last year they had they ended up with three at the end, but it was one for most of the year. So the two of the three were right on the cut of quad three and quad four. Um, I think it's done. I, I know for sure with Nate Oates's program, just because I've been close with them since Buffalo, um, they, it is 100 percent intentional. Uh, and there's the, the reason I like it so much is if you have if you stack seven or eight games against teams that are either picked to win their league or top three in their league, uh, one of those types of models, or even a team that's forecasted top 150 net, um, you know, quad three, as you mentioned, just for the fans at home, uh, it's it's a range of teams 76 through 160 um, preseason wise. That's hard to thread. But if you go find like your UNC Asheville's, your McNeese's, um, your South Dakota states, you feel pretty good about that because all those teams this year, for example, uh, are supposed to be very strong and, and pretty easy picks to win their league. Um, and then go beyond that. You know, there's these historically strong programs you see on like Arkansas uh, schedule. They have Greensboro. That's a team that is almost always good uh, at the SoCon level. Um, so you can just make these kind of safer bets and know that not only are you going to um, – if, if you go six and one somehow out of those seven that are good games, um, you're going to be fine. You have a million chances later in the SEC to, to make up for it. And then the benefit is on the basketball end, you're going to uh, probably play – and I know Musselman looks at it this way. I think Oates does too. Uh, but they want to see a, a mix of styles. So if you really crunch the numbers on on either of those schedules, I bet you would find that – some of those teams are are forecasted to play up tempo. Some of them are forecasted to play a very slow, 
grind you down tempo. And then others might have like elite athletes or an NBA prospect. Um, so I, I ask a lot of different staffs about this. I, I haven't asked Alabama or Arkansas specifically, but I always find that pretty fascinating how um, teams want to go about their schedule from a personnel standpoint. So like Florida Atlantic last year didn't have the sh- didn't even have a really strong schedule in the end. Uh, they also weren't very well uh, publicized in the preseason, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately for them. So they kind of had their limitations, but they purposely wanted Antoine Davis to come down so they could guard in an elite NBA level player, uh, do things like that to get ready for a potential run to the NCAA. So I thought, I thought just talking to Dusty May about stuff like that was very interesting. And now, of course, this year that school will have unlimited opportunities. They're playing in the Jimmy V against Illinois. They've got a barstool tip off Loyola Chicago that, you know, so um, everything changed for them, but that, that, that is a lot of the strategy as well. Um, and as a basketball purist, I think that's really smart. And I, I just think a lot of these games you could play at the quad four level, you know, a lot of the a lot of the power five schools, especially if you're picked middle down, kind of like what Missouri did a year ago uh, and maybe a little bit this year as well. Um, they're, they're basically fighting for the bottom feeders. They're fight. They're fighting over teams projected 325 to 360. Um, you can even look at UConn. Uh, UConn just released their schedule a week or two ago. And almost all of their open home dates, they filled them with really the bottom of D1. You've got like your Mississippi Valley State in there. You've got your Manhattan. There's some really, really bad teams on UConn schedule. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Now, again, it might not matter that much because they have so much talent and enough good games. They'll they'll probably be fine. Um, But anyway, trying to come come back to your question, I do think – Teams like Alabama and Arkansas are built to have deeper runs or at least have more exposure to the types of teams they might run into in a first round or second round NCAA setting because of uh, the way they go about it. Well, so what do you think like, you know, the fear is and, and kind of speaking of, uh, you know, of UConn and, and, you know, playing a team like Mississippi Valley State and, you know, Lord knows Missouri through the years has had opponents uh, come in that, you know, even in the Kim Anderson years where, uh, you know, I believe one year they had Alabama A&M in and, they, you know, they, one of Kim's worst teams beat him by nearly 50 points. And it's just like I it's yeah. it's hard to, you know, and, and then there's, you know, I, th- I think, you know, Conzo Martin, uh, what was a couple of years ago, like scheduled the NAIA school. And, you know, like we, at the time, I think we sort of justified it as like, well, you know, the the coach at this NAI school is also running this AAU program where he's got several kids yeah. that Conzo's recruiting. And it's like, all right, so you can kind of make sense of it, but it's still an uncompetitive game. And, and so like, you know, I, I realize coaches are out there that, you know, one, they want the gate and not just the coaches, but the AD, they want the gate. Yep. Uh, so you want to make sure you have a home date. You want to make sure you have a home win. Uh, some coaches are looking to get kind of young guys experienced to make sure that those guys are maybe going to stick around and not dip into the portal. Uh, you know, but, but playing somebody, let's say like Mississippi Valley state uh, versus, you know, somebody is regional, but also good, but somebody that you should probably still beat by double digits. And let's say just like a Vermont yeah. uh, for, for like UConn, like, like, what is what is the disconnect between kind of I think what what maybe maybe fans want to see, which I think, you know, I'm speaking for probably a lot of fans and saying schedule more of games like these as opposed to games like these. It, it, yeah, I think 
I think it's good that you pointed those things out because, you know, at certain places you do have a quota for home games. You might have to get eight. Some places you have to get nine. I know like two of the ones that are not even at the Power 5 level are VCU and New Mexico. Great examples. Their their, um, administration requires them to play a a heavy load of home games because the gate's super important at those places. New Mexico gets 14,000. VCU has crazy crowds. So that makes sense to me. Um, But outside of like some of those boundaries, um, you know, it's also interesting. You said the recruiting part that can come up. That also comes up in um, potential opponents. So a lot of a lot of the exercise I do throughout the offseason, especially in the middle months, I would say like May through current um, is just tracking all the different dates that teams are available. And I could run through a list of, you know, let's just say it is Missouri. I can run through 12 different teams at Missouri and they might have. 12 different reasons why <laughs> they can't play a certain coach or, or this kid used to play for us and transferred from us. So we won't play them. Or, you know, we have some bad blood with these guys, so we won't play them. And then all of a sudden it won't happen as much at the power five. So, I, you know, Missouri is not the greatest example, but it happens a lot in like that next level, like your Wichita state level mm-hmm. or even, even your, um, you know, mountain West and whatnot, that, that it's still close to high major, but not in the power ranks. Um, where I'm just like, guys, if you don't play one of these teams, you're just not going to have anybody to play. Um, and that's pretty ridiculous. Um, and so the stubbornness in scheduling is extremely high. And um, uh, in reality, a, a place like Missouri or UConn, of course, um, you you have the ability to play probably up to 200 plus teams if you really want to um, before you even have to ever call a Division Two or NAIA or any non-Division One. So that, that to me is mostly illogical, um, but I get it if there was some sort of tie-in for uh, access to a player or doing a favor for somebody that pays you off down the road or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, in general, I think I, I agree with you. It's silly. It doesn't move the needle. Um, from, a, from a bracketology or from a selection committee standpoint, um, a good rule of thumb is that you would just look at a team's resume without the Q4 or non-D1 results. So what's your record after that? Um, and that that's actually been a really good way for me to be really accurate in my own forecasting. You know, it helped helped me see like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State was a great example last year where when you took away, I'm not looking at it right now, but I know when you took away their Q4, um, it became pretty clear it'd be, it'd be difficult to accept them mm-hmm. on top of the fact that they had 15 overall losses. Um, so, you know, it, it was a lot of a deal breaker. So their D one record, uh, I have Oklahoma state pulled up now was 20 and 16. Um, that I think is after their NIT results. So apologies for the final record there, but basically they had five Q four wins. And it wasn't like a ton. Mizzou had eight. Um, but that was enough to just say, listen, without Q four, they're basically a 500 or below team. And that's pretty much what it was. Um, and, and committee talks about that and it's really hard for them to take a team once they're at 500 or below once you remove quad four, uh, unless you just have an overwhelming amount of elite wins, which falls in the quad one category or even the, the top half of quad one. Um, so there's a lot of uh, making up for you have to do if you overload on quad four. Yeah. And, and kind of sticking on to Oklahoma state, I would also kind of imagine that, I mean, like how much of a, uh, of a qualifier is it, you know, b- because you're essentially getting, a large group of some of the best teams in the country who are required to come play you at, at your, your home gym, 
which is automatically going to, you know, build in. And again, this kind of gets back into like, you know, how the, you know, some of like those middle of the ground teams look at scheduling. It's the fact that like, you know, we're going to have, you know, eight, nine opportunities to beat Baylor, Kansas, you know, Texas, all in our gym. If we can, if we can do that a few times and we're, we're building a resume versus, you know, essentially using your non-conference resume to also, you know, give you, uh, uh, you know, a leg up and, and making the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, all of it is, all of it is important. I, I think you want um, to have a mix of damage that you've done away from home. And I think that's why you've seen a, a skyrocketing over the last few years of neutral court opportunities. You know, the, uh, the Mountain West teams, the, the West Coast Conference teams that I live by, and obviously uh, out, out in the East you have Atlantic 10, um, American Conference, a lot of good leagues out there. Um, they're all capitalizing on that because, you know, something that the committee really likes to see uh, is it wins against teams that are going to be in the tournament and away from home. So um, even though the neutral court won't matter as much as a true road win, it still matters quite a bit compared to just buying a home win. Uh, and so, so a lot of the coaches have caught on to that, you know, St. Mary's, uh, close to me here. Um, they've been in some ways a pioneer, which is funny because if you rewind the clock, like three years ago, they were one of the worst scheduling teams in the country and it cost them twice, uh, yeah. as like last four out. And Randy you know, he's an old coach. He's an old dog. I love the guy, but like, <laughs> man, for 20 years, he was stubborn about that never got it. And then he finally just bought in went all in and now they've got this whole model of, you know, they've got a good amount of money there. So they're able to go out and buy teams to come out uh, and play here, but they matter a lot. They opened the year last year with Oral Roberts, who ended up being a top 40 team. They ended up playing North Texas uh, at home. They played Hofstra. They played uh, New Mexico, Colorado state. They just had this laundry list of teams that all were quality and they actually dropped two of those games they lost both the New Mexico and Colorado State games and still landed in the top 10 in the net because, um, you know, some of that was performance based. Losing close to Houston helped a ton. Uh, they, you know, they knocked off Gonzaga at one point. But um, by and large, my point is they had all this other they, they didn't they gave something for the committee to think about besides those two home losses. And because they had just such a deep schedule. Um, so if you're going to be a good team and you feel good about your team going into the year, I think there's no reason to do what they did or even at SEC level do what Alabama and Arkansas does because, um, you know, you might get knocked off two or three times throughout the year, but you're going to have a bunch of other impressive wins, especially if you're that good. So why not just go for it? It's only going to help you, and and it's also going to make your team tougher because if you play like three straight games against Southland, SWAC, and Ohio Valley Conference teams – you're you're probably not going to get much better. You might learn a little bit more about your bench, but it's I, I just don't think that's nearly as valuable. Well, so you you kind of brought up like you know why not just go for it and uh, and this is something that I also kind of jumped into my head as we were discussing earlier. You kind of mentioned Texas A and M and uh, and I think about it like a couple years ago. You know, uh, Buzz Williams was left out of the tournament and was. Yeah visibly bothered by it any interview that he had for like the next two or three weeks um you know and and maybe beyond that i think at some point i stopped paying attention but uh but instead of kind of like learning the lesson of why they were left off he went back and basically just did the same thing like last fall and and had a very very similar non-conference schedule 
uh, last season. They performed slightly better. Uh, they also performed better in the SEC, uh, which got them into the tournament, but it, it still put them on, uh, what, was, what were they, a seven seed? Yeah, I think they ended up getting, um, am, I, am I remembering this right? Did they end up with seven? I'm trying to remember because uh, they lost to Penn State, right? Uh, they did, yes. So they were seven. And yeah. I thought that was, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting decision by the committee. I, I In my final projection, Adam, is six. I, I was really accurate. So it was one of the, one of the ones I missed on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they had an interesting bag of results because they had a home loss to Wofford. And they had a, um, a loss to Murray State, which did not age well when they were out in the South Carolina tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then that whole tournament was funky. Um, <laughs> they, they lost to, to Boise there, but then Boise became a tournament team. I think all four games of the first round of that thing were, were upsets. But um, I think over the course of an SEC season, you know, they were one of the hottest teams in the country performance-wise. They were uh, more than making up for their, their blemishes in non-league and that that saved them. But I agree with you. Uh, Buzz himself did not do quite a quite anything really different uh, to make up for it. Their, their non-conference strength, the schedule as of selection Sunday last year was number 260. And, um, you know, that's that's OK for selection. Uh, typically, once you go above 300, uh, you're starting to get really at risk. Um, in fact, in fact, if you go like above 320, you can ask Wake Forest two years ago or Clemson last year. They were almost de facto eliminated uh, before the ACC tournament. In my, in, in my view, it would be unprecedented to select those two teams because I think Clemson was 341 and the Wake Forest might have been identically 341 the year before. Um, and both those coaches were very upset, right? So <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Um, so you got to be really careful to not build so many wins that you, you land in that situation. Um, you also, you know, I, I, I try to talk to coaches about this. I just don't know how much at the, uh, at the SEC level they care. I, I, do, I do work with a couple of AC, uh, SEC coaches pretty closely, um, but they all came from mid-major schools, so you can probably guess who they are. And, and, and so they, they think more like me, but I think some of the Buzz Williams types, let's just say, they might overlook games just trying to get wins. I think what you want to do is beyond that, like get yourself a – a te- if you're playing November games, play some teams that are uh, high upside teams because you can win. You can feel good about getting the win early in the year, and then watch that team like blossom later. And that that win could actually go from a Q4 to a Q3, um, you know, just based on all their upside. Uh, I'm always looking for for teams like that to to help these guys out. But um, some of these some of these like A and M thing, I, I just don't think it was that strategic. So then uh, I, I think the last thing that I kind of wanted to, to you know, pick your brain about is, um, you know, the guy that, that I cover and talk about a lot, uh, and that's Dennis Gates. Um, yep. So we've now had two non-conference uh, schedules under Dennis Gates. The first one was uh, Cupcake Heavy. Um, it was it was very, very, very much loaded uh, towards towards getting W's. Um, some of that, you know, like does make sense. Like I understand, you know, like some limitations when you have built in contests against Illinois, uh, and now a built in contest against, uh, you know, Kansas, you know, every year you're playing, uh, arguably one of the you know top three or four programs in the country. 
and a, a team that, you know, at this point, the last several years expects to kind of be at top 25 level. Uh, so those are automatically going to be onto your schedule. Um, I think like Dennis Gates basically took last year's blueprint and upgraded it a little bit. Yeah. Like there's still some, uh, there's just, you know, still a lot of meat on the bone. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you are like, you know, you mentioned the, the MTE, the multi-team event uh, with Jackson State and South Carolina State. Uh, you know, they added Loyola, Maryland, or uh, Loyola of Maryland, and they added uh, Central Arkansas, um, which are, were some of the dates that, that I think, you know, prior to their schedule release, we, we were still uh, not sure about. Um, Seton Hall, uh, solid program, still kind of building under Shaheen Holloway. Minnesota, um, I, you know, like th- they're having a, a tough go. Um under Ben Johnson. So what, what's your general take on, on, on Dennis and his, uh, his scheduling here, at least in year two? Yeah, no, I thought it was a step forward, certainly from last year. Um, and coming off of a tournament year, the, the options were probably there, or they certainly were there to be in a, a better event that would have, uh, that would have added even more challenges to the schedule. The, ni- the nice thing he did is, you know, they, they had Memphis locked in, Wichita, now there's Seton Hall in that mix. And you got the three road games, uh, thanks to the, the, you know, recently introduced ACC-SEC challenge, uh, going to Pitt. Um, that's, an, that's a nice road game, probably middle of the pack, ACC level, at least on paper. You got the road game at Kansas, which is just all upside, just, you know, you would hope to not lose by a lot uh, mm-hmm. to ruin your net or anything like that. And then you've got a manageable road game at Minnesota. I think, I think that was intentionally um, in, intentionally done because Minnesota is forecasted 15th out of 15 uh, big 10 te- excuse me, 14th out of 14 big 10 teams. And, you know, they're, they, they could easily be out of Q3 if everything falls apart there. So I don't know if that's very strategic at all, but it, uh, you would hope, you would hope if you believe in Ben Johnson and you believe in some of the guys they picked up, you know, maybe they play their way up to like 10th or 9th. You know, a lot a lot wasn't expected of Mizzou last year, right? So Minnesota could do something similar. We don't know. Um, and if that happens, that, that, that quickly becomes a nice little Q2 game, right? And everybody would be really happy with it. The Illinois game, as we know, is a big one in, in a neutral court. So that, that potentially gives you – seven out of the 13 being what I would call strategic games or, or meaningful games. Um, the five, the five uh, home games with central Arkansas, Loyola, Maryland, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, the two event games that we've talked about Jackson state and South Carolina state. Uh, those are certainly going to uh, almost guaranteed to land in, in quad four. Um, so, and then there was also, I mean, the other thing I should mention is I, th- I think there was an option to extend the series with Liberty um, who's going to be picked probably to win Conference USA, which, um, and, and they're probably forecasted in the 90s. That would have been a nice little resume game. Um, didn't didn't get played. I'm guessing um, Mizzou didn't want to do it this year. And, you know, so there was opportunities to continue going forward. I, I would just say, like, on the positive side, it, it's certainly a step forward. Um, the amount of home, what we call guarantee games that Missouri has is, is pretty much par for the course you know, in, in uh, SEC level, Big Ten level, Big 12 level, 
uh, Power Five as a whole level. So I don't have too big of an issue with it. I I am really pleased to see them play three true true road games. Some of that is fortunate through the challenge, um, and of course going to Minnesota. Uh, but in, gen- in general, uh, those three true road games, as sad as it sounds, that might end up leading the entire conference in true road games uh, for non-conference. So then what do you think, uh, you know, sort of projecting ahead, you know, if, uh, you know, Dennis Gates needs to do in year three, four uh, and five to sort of make sure that, you know, he can kind of take what, you know, I think we agree is like a step forward and, and kind of keep taking those steps forward to, uh, you know, like swapping out, you know, Central Arkansas, you're not playing them. Now you're playing, you know, like what level of program do you think needs to sort of uh, to, 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 to bump it up and into the upper echelon of the lake. Yeah. The interesting part of that question is it, that comes back to basketball. So it's, it's like if Missouri goes out this year, has another great year, gets to the tournament again, maybe even goes a step further in the tournament, um, that, that starts to change things. Right. Cause then that might influx next year's roster. Um, next year's roster will be the determination on how much they want to do schedule wise. You know, if it goes the other way and guys defect, you could always come back to more of a schedule like last year. Um, and so, you know, what coaches are thinking about in scheduling, uh, and th- this is what helps me forecast the season, in fact, is uh, how good somebody's going to be next year. They're not worried about as much what they did the year before. Um, I-, I feel like coaches that are looking at last year are not very modern because these rosters change in a hurry. Um, we have you know, uh, what we'll probably end up with what two, three new coaches every single year on average in every league. So, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a, there's a whole reset that happens, uh, once we get to March and scheduling begins. Um, and so for, for them to crank it up to the next level, it's going to require another good season. And more importantly, I would say, uh, an even stronger roster that coach Gates and the staff feels great about, and they want to go play at more national, uh, branded schedule with some big opportunities. And also, you know, the, like Florida Atlantic example is perfect uh, for this conversation because, um, like I said, Florida Atlantic struggled to get games last year. Not not enough people knew about them. Th- then they go and do what they did. Now this year, the Jimmy V calls them, Barstool Invitational calls them. Um, they've got the ESPN event down in Orlando, which I, th- I was blown away by. They used to have, up until this year, um, a Metro Atlantic conference representative because I believe the Metro Atlantic sponsors that tournament at Disney world. Um, they basically booted them as an eighth team to make sure Florida Atlantic had a spot. So if you end up becoming kind of that next big time, cool, cool kid on the block, they're, they're going to, the opportunities are going to be coming to you first. Uh, and that drastically can change your cha- um, your schedule organically. Um, like I talked to Florida Atlantic all the time and they were like, yeah, Rocco, like 12 of our, games were spoken for because we just couldn't say no to those opportunities. It means so much to our program. And uh, again, Mizzou's already a big school and they've already been there before, but like, I think, you know what I'm getting at Um, as your, as your program continues to build and advance um, the schedule can only, you know, get you more opportunities as you go. Uh, Yeah. And, and then I, I think I would also sort of, uh, you know, kind of piggyback onto that and, and feel free to kind of chime in as well. Like, you know, with uh, the transfer portal uh, coming into play, um, you know, so much more roster turnover, so much more coaching turnover, the expansion yeah. of leagues, uh, you know, like the SEC next year is going to have, 
Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Um, and, and really like, you know, beyond that, who knows, you know, like we know Florida state's flirting with everybody to try to get out of the ACC. Yeah. Um, you know, it, like at some point, like, you know, there, there are going to be like several programs. You're just going to have to like basically understand like, yeah, like maybe we can have a good year here and there, but, but these leagues are so deep that, you know, like, how are we going to, how are we going to sort of sort the middle and it's going to come down to, and I think it like it's this way in the SEC now, it's like, it, it's going to come down to like, can you pick up, you know, that, that road win at Ole Miss or can, you know, make sure yeah. you don't, you know, lose a home game against, you know, South Carolina. Uh, and that, that's how you go from, and I think this is basically what Missouri did last year is that's how they went from probably being like ninth to, to being fourth is, is just a, a couple, you know, uh, Dre Golston, uh, you know, <laughs> th- threes at the buzzer, <laughs> and uh, a very different season if if he doesn't make those two threes. Yeah, and it's it's crazy too because, you know, I I have the privilege of following all thirty two leagues as closely as possible. Now, obviously, as we get closer to March, I'm I'm locked into more of the at large picture. But um, so many of these games, I, I mean, almost every one of those leagues, uh, it, they're, they're one on the margins. We have a couple exceptions, like Colgate's typically the best Patriot team. Um, you know, I, I think South Dakota State will be great in the Summit League. But, I mean, the margins in college basketball are so slim. And even when you see, you know, a, a top team from, you know, Houston came out of the American and Gonzaga comes out of the West Coast, like those teams were nationally recognized and capable of winning the title. Um, so it, it, it's a crazy sport in that regard because – uh, Missouri made their resume by that huge w- road win at Tennessee. You had the Illinois uh, breaking rights win. And then you even collected like four great home wins that ended up mattering quite a bit because they were all against tournament teams. Um, there might have been more than four, but the last time I updated my chart here that I'm looking at, you had the Kentucky, Arkansas, Iowa State, uh, thanks, thanks to the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge, and Mississippi State as mm-hmm. tournament caliber home wins. Um and a big a big deal to the committee is uh, getting what, how did you do against teams in the field? And at that point in time, I think this is up to date as the season ended. Um, Missouri was six and seven. Uh, but those six wins when, look, you know, there was nobody even on the bubble uh, with six wins except for Michigan. But Michigan had 17 chances. And Missouri only had thir- and Missouri only had thirteen. So it starts it starts to make those decisions a lot easier when you get those big wins. Yeah. Um, but, but you're right. Like you start taking uh, rough ro- rough road losses, or a, especially a home loss to, like a South Carolina of last year's status, um, those can really throw things off, and you have to kind of relook at everything. But but you're 100 percent right. Like it's it, it makes every game important. <laughs> it really does, uh, and that's I think that's why we love it. Well, Rocco, uh, we've gone well over, and I, I, I always worry that this is going to happen, um, mainly because you just you know start talking basketball and uh, yeah. think things get away from you sometimes. I don't know. I, I'm assuming you're a lot like I am in, in that regard. Um, I don't think we ever recorded a podcast under an hour, but <laughs> it's like we're, we always shoot for it. Um, so everybody uh, – you can read this guy's stuff. I always forget which direction to point to. This guy's stuff. Uh, you can follow him on X slash Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days, at Rocco Miller H. Uh, and thebracketeer.org. Um, I use I use that site a lot. The non-conference schedules, keeping it up to date. 
uh, is always super helpful. Um, great follow on Twitter as well. So everybody go follow them. Guy, uh, anything else you need to plug before we get out of here? I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, bracketsier.org is the website. Uh, and like you said, Rocco Miller 8 on Twitter is the best place to follow. Um, fired up to get some of this preview stuff out. And we'll continue adding more leagues to the uh, schedule pages uh, as we get closer. Sweet. All right. Well, Rocco, thanks so much. We'll be following along this season. And hopefully we'll get to have you on again in the future. My pleasure. Thank you. appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Once again, I'd like to thank Rocco Miller for uh, joining me. Uh, it was a really, really insightful discussion. I appreciate uh, all the information you provided. I uh, hope you did too. Uh, if you are first time here finding us uh, just now, uh, make sure that you click on that subscribe button. You can also like the video. Um, and that sort of helps bring people uh, to our channel, to our feed, and they can they can watch uh, me. They can see, uh, you know, Kid A, uh, me, Jim, the background, and E.H. Taylor, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Follow Rocco on Twitter, uh, at Rocco Miller, R-O-C-C-O-M-I-L-L-E-R-8, number eight, uh, bracketeer.org. Uh, bookmark it. Check it out. It's really good information. Uh, and we'll be back in maybe next week. Maybe we'll bring one of the maths back. Maybe we'll talk to somebody else. I don't know. Still working it out. Uh, but until then, thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye.